sponsored by the National Retail Federation. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It is Thursday, January 18th. Here's what's driving the day. We have a juicy story from our colleague Daniel Lippman, who is scooping this morning that former President Trump and folks in his inner circle have started to tell down-ballot Republican candidates not to hire Republican strategists, veteran strategists, Jeff Rowe or his political consulting firm. That's after Rowe worked to try and elect Ron DeSantis. You remember last week when President Trump was saying, oh, no, no political retribution world. This is exactly the opposite of that. Roe was a top strategist for the DeSantis Super PAC, never backed down. He resigned in mid-December. And now candidates are being told that hiring Roe and his firm would create a political problem for them with the Trump team. Also today, the Senate is trying to figure out how to put a border and Ukraine deal together. And in that vein, you had President Joe Biden meeting at the White House on Tuesday with members of Congress, including the big four. After the meeting, everyone came out and did what they always do. They said that it was a productive meeting. They said they got their points across. In the meeting, President Biden, according to a White House official, talked about the indispensable role of American leadership. He implored members of Congress to take that responsibility very seriously. And both the White House and other folks that were in the room basically said that there was broad bipartisan support and agreement that there needed to be some kind of continuing funding to back Ukraine. One thing that I found really interesting is that we're told that Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, and Avril Haines, she is the Director of National Intelligence, basically went through a calendar, and this was the classified part of the meeting, talking about if we don't provide more aid here, Ukraine will run out of this capability on this date, at this point. Really trying to lay out the granular stakes for the members of Congress as they're continuing to negotiate this issue. And joining me now to talk about that meeting yesterday. Yesterday is my colleague on the White House team, Maya Ward. Maya, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining. You were out there as the meeting ended, <laughs> standing out there in the cold with the other reporters as congressional leaders walked out and talked to you guys. I was told by a White House official that it was balanced and constructive. Everybody got to go around and, and say what was on their mind, what they wanted to focus on. But when they came out, what did they say? But also as someone who's covering this a lot, what did you hear? I will say, you know, in line with what the White House told you, I mean, both parties did say that the conversations were productive. As you know, I mean, that was a packed room. I mean, you have several White House officials from Jeff Zients, Jake Sullivan, tons of others. You had leaders from several committees and then, of course, the big four. So it's not like they were getting down to the nitty gritty finalizing a deal here. We got a sense from Speaker Johnson that nothing has really changed from his vantage point. You know, he said that there is an urgency for Ukraine funding, but it's all about the border, making sure that something happens on that front and that he delivered that message to the president. Then, you know, Schumer's and Jeffries came out and you get this dose of optimism, particularly from Schumer. But then he says, you know, the president is willing and ready to make moves on the border, but it has to be bipartisan. Two issues have to go together. The border can't go first. And then he says, you know, on the Senate negotiations, which I think was important because he specifically said Senate, he is more optimistic than ever, putting the chances at a little more than half now, which is how he put it. And so 
it's not like this necessarily moved the ball, but it it was probably important for the president to get this meeting on the books, get everyone in the room, you know, say his piece. And then in the future, depending on how all this goes, he can point to it as an example of his effort to try to get something done here. Something you just said continues to make it very clear to me that Speaker Johnson and House Republicans are kind of on an island here, where you have Senate Republicans and Senate Democrats and White House officials negotiating a deal. And (laughs) House Republicans are kind of like on their own because they have this like real focus on HR2, for example, which is this like very hard line thing that would never pass the Senate, never get to the president's desk, and he damn sure wouldn't sign it. So I guess talk a little bit about how right now House Republicans are kind of an outlier in these negotiations, <laughs> really any negotiations happening on the Hill, but really these negotiations on the border and, and Ukraine-Israel funding. Yeah, I mean, it's it's challenging because you can see that there clearly is something that both parties here can agree on. I mean, there's no doubt that the border is under enormous pressure. I mean, officials are seeing record crossings and, you know, they need funding. They need more officials, technology for screening people, cities, not even just border cities at this point are feeling these effects. But then, like you said, I mean, we have two things happening here. I mean, we have the Senate, you know, really taking the lead on these negotiations, working with the White House. And then you have these House Republicans and this pressure from some of them to go way beyond what's included in these Senate talks. And I mean, we saw that on display today. You have Johnson and you have Schumer with this optimism, which is really in line with what we heard from Langford, from McConnell. There could be a deal, you know, that they could vote on as soon as next week. And McConnell in particular pushing this point that look, a deal like this would not happen if, you know, Trump was president, for example. Some Republicans have said that, too, to Mike Johnson, like, hey, buddy, we're not going to get a deal like this under Trump. Right. And so it just, I mean, it feels like senators are just kind of setting aside what's going on in the House, you know, soldiering on. They're going to do what they need to do with this. The problem is, though, you know, with the point McConnell's trying to make, it just He's saying this is their moment. And the problem for him is that it doesn't seem like, at least right now, House Republicans are thinking along those same lines. And Maya, before I let you go really quickly, progressives have been very upset about these negotiations from the very beginning, talking about how the White House, they feel, is ceding too much ground. What are the biggest issues on their minds that they are worried the White House is is giving too much on? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a big concern is what kind of precedent that this is going to set for future negotiations with Republicans. Is this how they're going to work in the future? I mean, a big concern has been that Democrats haven't pushed on enough policy wins for themselves. Like DACA is one that has continued to come up in conversations with my sources. I think a question right now, I mean, the White House has been willing to go pretty far, you know, raising the credible fear asylum standard, a new Title 42-like expulsion authority. But I think a big question remains on that sticking point, which has been his parole authority, you know, that allows the government to grant migrants this temporary permission to live and work in the U.S. What will the White House give up on that? You know, it's been a tool that has worked for them. Biden has used it extensively to manage the border, to take pressure away from it. They've been swapping back and forth options, but I know that there is a ton of concern about is what the White House, as Democrats are incredibly desperate to get a deal here, how far will they be willing to go? 
Yeah, and I guess we will find out how far they're willing to go soonish, maybe, according to <laughs> according to the very bullish feelings of people like Langford um, as they move forward. You will see. <laughs> I was going to say, Maya, Maya, thank you so much. You have a good day. Thanks, you too. And for your schedule today, the Senate and the House are both in. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is briefing the Foreign Relations Committee behind closed doors this afternoon at 1.45 p.m. And the House will meet at 10 and at noon. They will take up an effort to find Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress, the president's son. And the Homeland Security Committee will hold its latest impeachment hearing for DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas at 9.30. So quite a busy day on the Hill. President Biden won't be in town, though. He's headed to Raleigh, North Carolina, where he's going to deliver remarks on Bidenomics. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening. Big banks are raising credit card swipe fees that are hidden taxes on small businesses and consumers. Swipe fees are most retailers' highest operating costs after labor and drive up consumer prices by more than $1,000 a year for the average household. Join the National Retail Federation in advocating for swipe fee reform by passing the Credit Card Competition Act. Learn more at nrf.com.